So have you taken time to be holy? Uh, Peter tells us in his letter that we are to be holy for God is holy. Of course, if that holiness comes from within us, if we're trying to be holy by our own strength, our own planning, our own cunning, our own discipline, uh, that holiness is going to fall apart pretty quickly. Uh, We need help with being the holy people that God has called us to be. Uh, Paul reminds the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 of their identity in Christ. And after speaking of some vices and sins that entangle us, that keep us from entering into the kingdom of God, Paul says this, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, that is, made holy, set apart, You were justified, you were pronounced innocent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. We have a new identity in Christ, we have a new power in Christ's Spirit. And those themes really tie into our sermon text this morning and our sermon theme this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel is uh, pretty easy to find. You open up your Bibles to the middle. You're in the Psalms. Uh, Go past the Psalms a few books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, then the next big book is Ezekiel. So we'll be in Ezekiel 36. Uh, We've been working through uh, really some themes that have to do with our mission statements here at Brentwood Oaks. So in 2023, as a way of reminder, we're going to work through our four mission statements, which you see on this banner to my right, worshiping God. We are people who are devoted to worshiping God and bringing people to faith and conforming to the image of Jesus and caring for others in need. But we're going to spend the next few weeks, the next couple of months, really focused on worshiping God and what all is entailed with worshiping God. Uh, What happens here among us? What happens Whenever we are sent out, when we go beyond these walls, our lives are, in a sense, a a fragrance, a sacrifice offered up to God in worship. Uh, But this morning, we're going to think on the theme of holiness, specifically the holiness of God's name. And the place to go, if you want to talk about the holiness of God's name, is the prophet Ezekiel. Now, there's a story behind the prophecies of Ezekiel. Really, the whole Old Testament up to Ezekiel uh, fills in the background. We don't have time to go through the whole Old Testament up to Ezekiel this morning. Uh, But for time's sake, we're going to camp out in another place in Scripture as well. So if you would mark Ezekiel 36, uh, the other place we're going to camp out is at Mount Sinai, the second book of the Old Testament, Exodus. So if you will turn to Exodus chapter 19. We're going to start off in Exodus 19 and then move to Ezekiel chapter 36. Exodus 19 is where God gives His people an impossible mission. A mission that really is beyond them. Now, I'm a fan, have been a fan of the television show and the movie series Mission Impossible... I wasn't alive for that first airing in 1966, uh, but I picked it up at the reboot 
uh, in the late 80s. And for me, it was must-see TV. I didn't miss an episode of Mission Impossible. Of course, Tom Cruise and company have made Mission Impossible a worldwide phenomenon with six movies uh, going on seven, if if I've counted correctly. But there are a couple of phrases in Mission Impossible that I think gives us a framework to work from this morning. So every episode, a government official gives the leader of the Mission Impossible team, the IMF, he gives the the leader a mission, and it's through some creative recording, usually cleverly disguised. And it's a mission that is virtually impossible. Actually, it's laughably impossible. But after the mission is given, there's this sequence with two parts. The first sequence is the acceptance of the mission. Uh, Your mission, Jim, should you choose to accept it, is this. The second part is a disclaimer from the government official. It wouldn't give me a lot of confidence if I received this from a government official, but this is what they said. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will do what? Disavow any knowledge of your actions. And then this tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck. And then the tape is destroyed. So two parts to the sequence. The acceptance of the mission and then the promise of denial from the government official. Uh, The Mission Impossible team is off on their own. If they get caught, if they fail at their mission, the government will deny they even knew about the team or the mission itself. Well, hold that thought. Because what we find in Exodus chapter 19 is a similar sequence. Exodus chapter 19 is one of the great scriptures, verses 4 through 6, one of the great scriptures in all of the Bible. So I I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. I did that series, the Old Testament in seven sentences. Time is kind of weird over the last few years. Uh, But this particular scripture wasn't in that series, but it should have been. I'm not sure which one I would have kicked out to replace it. But Exodus 19, 4 through 6 is critical, not just for the Old Testament and the Israelites, but really moving forward. This is the passage that's picked up in the New Testament, especially by Peter. So Exodus 19, 4 through 6 is where God gives the mission to Moses and to the people. This is what it says. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians... How I bore you on eagles' wings, talking about uh, delivering them from their slavery, taking them through the waters of the Red Sea up to this point at Mount Sinai. And I brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And here's the mission. You shall be to me a kingdom a priest, and a holy nation, a people who are set apart. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Israel, whenever they enter into the promised land, they are to be a kingdom of priests. Now, we heard that a couple of weeks ago with Peter. Peter describes the church as a royal priesthood. Well, that was Israel's mission. 
That was Israel's mission centuries before. They were to be a priest, a kingdom of priests, God's representatives to the nations. Uh, Later on, the prophet Isaiah would tell them that they would be a light to the nations, God's representatives on earth. They were to live their lives in such a distinctive and holy way that the nations would take notice. In a sense, they were to be on stage with the nations watching them. And their conduct was to draw attention to God. And one day, the nations would gather in Zion to learn about the ways of God, to learn the Torah, the commandments of God. So that's the mission. The next part of the sequence is where the people at Mount Sinai accept the mission in Exodus 24. The people enter into a covenant with God. They accept this mission of being a kingdom of priests to the nations. A covenant ceremony that included the blood of a sacrifice. And this is what they say in Exodus 24 verse 3. All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. We accept this calling. We accept this mission. But then God takes the sequence in a different direction. God has given them an impossible mission. But unlike the government officials in Mission Impossible, God will not disavow His people if they mess up. In fact, God does just the opposite. God enters into a covenant with His people. God Binds himself to them. God ties the reputation of his name to the people. If Israel messes up, if they fail to be the kingdom of priests and a holy nation, God's name will be attached to the disaster. For good or ill, Israel, they are the people of Yahweh. They wear the name of God on their sleeves as they carry out their mission. A mission that quickly falls apart. Even there at Sinai in Exodus chapter 32, Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the law, the Ten Commandments. And what do the people do? They get antsy. They're at the base of the mountain. They're given over to revelry. They erect a golden calf. They attach the story of God's redemption to the golden calf. And they worship the golden calf. After all that they had witnessed God do, this is where they end up. And it doesn't get any better. They go into the promised land and they can't carry out their mission. And they can't do this because they're human. And the human heart is corrupt, self-centered, twisted. Fallen. And over time, they give their allegiance to the idols of their neighbors. They mistreat one another. They exploit the weakest among them. Injustice runs amok there in Israel. And at the end of the day, they are no different than their pagan neighbors. And they are dragging God's name through the dirt. They're profaning the name of God, which brings us to Ezekiel. Centuries later, Ezekiel prophesies at a time when God had had enough. Ezekiel and Jeremiah prophesy in the shadow of judgment on God's people. 
No longer would God protect the people. In fact, God actively works against them. He raises up the Babylonians to take Jerusalem out, to lead the people into captivity and into exile. Israel failed over and over again to carry out their mission. And God, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, the God who is merciful and forgiving, is not going to have his name tarnished anymore by his people. So God does something that will be devastating to his name and ridiculed among the nations. God allows his people to go into exile. And Ezekiel the prophet is part of that first deportation. And he has a message for the people divided into two parts. The first part is about judgment, the judgment of the people. But the second part is about a time in the future when there will be this restoration. And that restoration is tied to God's name. So if you would, let's hear the word of God from Ezekiel chapter 36 beginning in verse 19. I'll read this, have a few comments to say about it, and then talk a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. Because as we think about worship... We're using the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as a guide. Uh, So last week we looked at the invocation, the beginning of the prayer. Our Father in heaven. Uh, Jesus invites his disciples, he invites the church into this tension. Between on the one hand, the God who is so high above us. The God who transcends us in the heavenly realm. And also the God who is so near to us. The God who is our Father. There's an intimacy there. There's a relationship. And that's all captured in that first phrase, our Father in heaven. But now we move to the second phrase about God's name. Hallowed be your name. Well, in the background to that is Ezekiel 36. Let's hear the word of God from Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 19. This is God speaking through Ezekiel about what happened in exile. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. And that people said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Verse 22, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name which you've profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. 
I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Uh, May God bless the reading of his word. So God took a risk. God took a great risk in attaching his name to his people. And when exile happened, when the nations witnessed Israel's utter defeat, utter destruction, well, God's reputation took a hit. God's name was treated as an ordinary name. God was just in a list of long-defeated foes. That's what happened when nations overtook other nations. It was a cosmic battle. Uh, Gods were overtaken by stronger gods. And so when this happened to Israel, when God allowed this to happen, God just seemed like a common God, a defeated God. But God would not let this go on forever. So Israel failed. But Ezekiel reminded those exiles, and he reminds the church today, that God does not break His word. As much as Israel failed to live out their calling, God refused to disavow them. God refused to abandon them there in exile. And so in Ezekiel 36, God speaks of a time in the future that is to come when He is going to repair His holy name. And He'll do this by gathering the scattered ones back home and giving them a new heart and giving them His very Spirit in them to help them. But the important piece from Ezekiel 36 is that God has taken this upon Himself to repair His name. In other words, the hallowing of God's name is something that God does. It's something that God has already set into motion. Uh, This mission was too much for His people to handle, so God takes matters into His own hands. Something that we see culminate in Jesus Christ, the sending of the Messiah, His Son. Think about what Jesus' mission was all about. The proclamation, the announcement of the kingdom. uh, The gathering of the scattered sheep around the good shepherd. The binding of the wounds of the people. The restoring of the people to wholeness. The defeat of sin and death at the cross. the, The formation of a people at the empty tomb. And on the day of Pentecost... This people was formed who would be the kingdom of of priests that God had intended to go out into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that Jesus had commanded them. All of this for the sake of God's name, that it would be hallowed to the ends of the earth. I would encourage you, as you read Scripture from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, to pay attention to God's name and the focus on God's name. Because it's only in God's name where we find truth and salvation and eternal life. Any other God, any other idol in which we place our hopes is a dead end in life. And God is drawing us to himself in the hallowing of his name. All of this as we close to go back to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. 
in that one little line. Notice when Jesus instructs his, his disciples about this prayer in Matthew, we're using the Matthew version, the prayer that we say here at Brentwood Oaks. He doesn't say, this is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, here's my wish list. Or, Our Father who art in heaven, here's what's on my heart right now. Let me just pour it out to you. There's a place for that in prayer. There should be. We are not robots. We have things that we struggle with. But first and foremost, our chief concern is found in that first petition. Our highest priority in prayer is that God's name be hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. When we are asking God to do this, we're asking Him to continue His mission. This is about His mission. This is a mission that the church joins in the hallowing of His name. It's something that God is already doing. So whenever a lost sheep finds his or her way back home, God's name is being hallowed. Whenever a broken one finds healing, God's name is being hallowed. Whenever there is dissension between brothers and sisters and they find reconciliation, God's name is being hallowed. When we find victory over temptation and addiction and we experience this spirit-filled transformation, God's name is being hallowed. When we carry a reputation with the community, like the reputation that's being nurtured and fostered with McBee Elementary School, and we're carrying a good name, and we are known for our good works there, God's name is being hallowed. His reputation is being repaired in this world. When the gospel is proclaimed to the nations, God's name is hallowed. When people of all different races and ethnicities and all nations come together as one body, united in worship around Jesus Christ, God's name is being hallowed. Brothers and sisters, God is on the move in the hallowing of His name. And the question for us this morning is, what is God calling us to do as we take time to be holy, as we find ourselves on stage throughout the world, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, how is God's name being hallowed among us? That's the invitation we have this morning. Maybe you come here needing some restoration. We have the opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ the one who is gathering his lost sheep back to him. Maybe you come here and you're in a situation and a trial in life where you are, are weary of the fight. You've been trying to fight all this on your own. So many of us come to a place where we finally just throw our hands up and say, I, I really can't do this by myself. And you need the prayers of your church. You need your church family. We made promises to each other. Whenever you join this church, let the church fulfill that mission as God's name is being hallowed among us. Uh, maybe you have come to faith and you're ready to be baptized. We can accommodate you this morning in that. Maybe you've been immersed and you would like to place membership with us. I invite you to have a conversation with me or one of the ministers or one of the elders. Uh, we would like to get that process going. That's what this time of invitation is all about. 
aside from the personal response to the good news of Jesus. May God's name be hallowed in us, through us, and among us for His good pleasure as we stand and as we sing this song together.